0: Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. This week continues our series, The Story. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. So back in November, I had the chance to see Creed, the new Rocky movie. And it was actually on my list of things to accomplish in 2015. And I want to be honest with you, it was high on the list of things to accomplish. You know, honor God, love Tanya, my wife, spend time with the kids, work hard, and seek Creed. <laughs> it was really high on the list. And for those of you who don't know me, I love Rocky. I absolutely love everything about the series, and since moving here six years ago, I've had the chance to watch the series and view it again through the lens of having been to many of the places that are in the movies, and it's made it all fresh and new again, which is wonderful. So, Rocky, the series is over. There is no new information, there's nothing new about Rocky at all, and along comes a young producer who breathes new life into the series, and out comes Creed. And so I went and I saw the movie, and I actually made it a family event, we took everybody outside of Cambry, who's only four years old. She's probably a little young yet. We'll get her used to Rocky at the right time, but we took everybody else, and I ordered my tickets online because I wanted to get the best possible seats in the theater. I didn't want to mess around. I didn't want to get there and have to worry about where I was going to sit. I wanted to have the best absolutely viewing seats that were available and so i ordered them online and for this particular theater you have to do that anyway or you're not going to get seats and so i had my seats picked out and i'm really anxious and excited about seeing creed and so we get to the theater and wouldn't you know there are kids there are teenagers sitting in our seats and so i was very polite i was very kind in my opinion in asking them to get up and please find their own seats. And they were respectful. They got up and they found their seats eventually. And so we sat down and we're getting situated. And I'm really excited about this. And I look over at my 13-year-old daughter, Kaylee, who is absolutely embarrassed by what I've just done. I'm like, Kaylee, look, these were our seats. I ordered these seats. If they sit here, it's going to mess up the whole theater. They were going to have to move at some point. And she goes, Dad, those kids attend Valley Point. <laughs> of course. So now I'm the jerk pastor, right? <laughs> this is why I never honk at people, because inevitably it's always somebody who goes to Valley Point. So if I've ever honked at you, you probably deserved it. But please forgive me, I, I will never do that again, all right? So we watch the movie, and... It was fantastic, right? I mean, it could have been a terrible movie, and I would have enjoyed it, but it wasn't. It was compelling. It was inspiring. It was motivating, and it's winning all kinds of awards. So this is great. In January, at the top of the month, I host a New Year's party for the staff And for the elders. And it's our way of getting together just to celebrate our year and to have some fun. And we do that after Christmas so everybody can get all their family celebrations out of the way. So I set up this party and said, we're going to eat. We're going to have a great time. And I have a guest who's going to come and join us for the evening. And I'm not going to tell you who the guest is. But I had arranged all of this ahead of time. And I wanted it to be a surprise. And I was really excited about having this particular guest come. So I told everybody, just come And we're going to eat, and I'm going to talk to this individual, and I'm going to interview them on leadership principles and thoughts, some things that will help us. So the evening came, and we all sat down, and we ate, we had a great time, and our surprise guest for the evening, which I was able to pull off, nobody knew about this, was Yuki Washington, who is the Philadelphia CBS evening news anchor. And so... He came, and I had the chance to interview him, and he talked about leadership. We had a great time. Now, here's what you need to know about Yuki. Yuki is also a big Rocky fan, and he knew this about me, and so he actually came bearing gifts, and so he gave to me from the movie, it's an extra, but it is actually one of the Rocky Robes. (laughs) right? So he presented this to me. Are you believing this? Look, right here, Italian stallion. I'm not going to box because the last time I did that in a movie, I was out of breath the entire time. So my boxing days are over. But is this not a great gift for me? That's an amazing gift. I've got a Rocky robe that was an extra in the movie, The Italian Stallion, and we had a great time on that night. Now, I share all of that with you, my interest in seeing the Creed movie, and my love for the Rocky series, and Yuki coming, and the boxing robe itself, I share all of that with you because... Good movies have an impact on us. Good movies. They have an impact on us, don't they? Well, of course they do. I want you to think about your favorite movie for a moment. Whatever it might be, it is your favorite because it has had some kind of impact on you in some way and you remember that, whatever it might be. That is your favorite movie. You really enjoy that because it impacted you in some way. Well, when it comes to the story and chapters 14 and 15, and when we begin to dive into our content for today, it very much reads like a movie. When critics begin to evaluate and critique movies, they generally look at five different categories. They are looking at the setting and the characters and the plot where there is normally conflict, and then there is the resolution to that conflict, and then eventually there is a theme or maybe even several themes that come out of that particular movie. So there's the setting, the characters, the plot, Involving conflict and drama, the resolution and the theme. And again, this is exactly what we find in the story for today. It reads exactly like a great movie. So here is our upper story statement for today, and that is I can learn from mistakes. And this is the big idea of what God is doing I can learn from mistakes. And I want everybody to get this, I want everybody to understand this, and I want you to feel confident walking out of here in a few moments that, yes, you can learn from mistakes. This is our big idea. This is our upper story statement, I can learn from mistakes. Let's say that together. I can learn from mistakes. Again, I can learn from mistakes. Now listen, I want everybody to look up here for a minute. I can learn from mistakes. And so whatever mistake is rolling around in your mind right now from your past, you need to know that you can learn from that. And whatever mistake you might be walking through right now, whatever is bothering you and you know something is happening there and it is a mistake and you're beating yourself up for this. I want you to know if that's happening in your life right now, you can learn from that mistake. Whether you're a student or a single or a married person or a retired person, whether this involves something at school or in your work or career or in a relationship or in your marriage, I can learn from mistakes. And I want us to know this today. I want us to have a lot of confidence in really comprehending that, yes. I can learn from the mistakes that have happened in my life that may be happening right now and will happen at some point. That's our upper story statement for today. So let's think about the lower story now and the actual historical events, the things that are happening on earth. And I want to think about the setting for a few moments because, again, our story today reads very much like a great movie. So let's think about the setting. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find 1 Kings chapter 12. And what we find in chapter 12 is that Solomon, one of the wisest men who has ever lived, was the king of ancient Israel. And we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. And Solomon accomplished quite a bit in his life, a pretty amazing leader. But his heart becomes divided and he makes some poor choices towards the end of his career and the end of his life. He's making unwise choices instead of wise choices. And one of the things that he does is he really overtaxes the people. And as you can imagine, that kind of bothered them a little bit. They got upset about being overtaxed. They weren't happy with that. The other thing that Solomon was doing as a king, as a ruler is that he was pushing and forcing the people into hard labor. So he's building the city of Jerusalem. He's building the nation and the kingdom of Israel. Their borders are expanding. Somebody has to do all of the work. And he was really pushing the people into hard labor. So Solomon, making some unwise choices, overtaxing the people and pushing them into very Hard labor. And so, what happens in 1 Kings is eventually Solomon ages and he dies. He passes from the scene. And his son, Rehoboam, becomes king. That's the setting. We have a new king. Yay! New king! Everybody likes a new king, right? Well, that's the setting. Let's talk about the characters. There are two primary characters in our story today. One of them is Rehoboam, he's the new king, and in just a moment I'm going to introduce you to a gentleman by the name of Jeroboam, and we're going to talk about him and what he does that causes some problems. So the main characters are Rehoboam and then Jeroboam. So let's think about the plot now, and this is what we find in 1 Kings chapter 12. So in every good movie, or in every good story, there is a plot And there is conflict involved. And our particular plot today is just dripping with conflict. It is absolutely everywhere. So you follow along as I begin reading in chapter 12, verse 1. These are God's holy and authoritative words. Rehoboam went to Shechem, where all Israel had gathered to make him king. And when Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard of this, he returned from Egypt, for he had fled to Egypt to escape from King Solomon. The leaders of Israel summoned him, and Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel went to speak with Rehoboam. Your father was a hard master, they said. Lighten the harsh labor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us, then we will be your loyal subjects. That's their request. Verse 5, Rehoboam replied, Thanks for asking, give me three days to think this over, then come back for my answer. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. What is your advice, he asked. How should I answer these people? The older counselors replied, If you are willing to be a servant to these people today and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. What's your advice? He asked them. And in comes the clowns right? You can see what's going to happen here, can't you? How should I answer these people who want me to lighten the burdens imposed by my father? Well, the young men replied, this is what you should tell those complainers who want a lighter burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. Wow, that sounds great, doesn't it? So, verse 12, three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to hear Rehoboam's decision, just as the king had ordered. But Rehoboam spoke harshly to the people, for he rejected the advice of the older counselors and followed the counsel of his younger advisors. He told the people, My father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with, here they come again, the scorpions. So when faced with a decision to serve the kingdom, instead of having the kingdom serve his ego, Rehoboam chooses the latter. He chooses to reject the advice of the Older counselors, he picks up on the advice from his young friends and he rolls out just this terrible idea. So here we find the resolution now. What happens as a result of this dramatic plot? Verse 16. When all Israel realized that the king had refused to listen to them, they responded, Down with the dynasty of David. And I think that's kind of a funny line. Like, Rehoboam spits out his information, he gives his response, and they're like, yeah, down with David. (laughs) We're not really too sure about that. We have no interest, they said, in the son of Jesse. Back to your homes, O Israel. Look out for your own house, O David. So the people of Israel returned home, But Rehoboam continued to rule over the Israelites who lived in the towns of Judah. Then verse 20 says, When the people of Israel learned of Jeroboam's return from Egypt, they called an assembly and made him king over all Israel. So only the tribe of Judah remained loyal to the family of David. So here's the resolution. Here's what happens. The kingdom actually divides. I have a map that I want to show you. That kind of outlines for us what happens when the kingdom divides. You have the ten tribes known as Israel, and that's what they were called. It's also known as the northern kingdom. And they established Jeroboam as their king. Down with the dynasty of David. We're no longer interested in him So we're going to go off and we're going to start our own little country here. And 10 of the tribes go with Jeroboam. They make him king and they form this northern kingdom known as Israel. Well, what we discover then is that there are actually two tribes, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin that remain loyal and faithful to Rehoboam. And they establish the nation of Judah, also known as the southern kingdom. All of this takes place in 931 BC, if you're interested in that. So, in our timeline in the story, we now move into the divided kingdom. There's the northern kingdom ruled by Jeroboam, there's the southern kingdom ruled by Rehoboam. We have two countries, two nations, two kings, and then God also brings in some individuals that are called the prophets. The prophets then are individuals who speak to the kings and to God's people. They are the voice of God calling them to change and to repent and to turn back. So we're now into the time of the divided kingdom. We have Israel, we have Judah, we have Jeroboam, we have Rehoboam, and we have all of these prophets speaking on behalf of God. If you are interested... I have for you at the Just For You station a whole copy of all of the kings of Israel, all of the kings of Judah, as well as all of the prophets and the years that they reigned, and how they came into power, and who followed them, and whether they were a good king or a bad king. I have all of that available for you at Just For You. And the Super Bowl isn't until next Sunday, so you've got a lot of downtime between now and the Super Bowl. I would encourage you to take this and read it, look at it, because it gives amazing information about all of these individuals. What is very interesting to me is that in Israel the northern kingdom of all of the kings not one of them is considered a good king and if you flip through the pages of first and second kings and first and second chronicles and you read the history of all of these different kings you'll find out that they were all bad and the reason they were bad kings is very simple they chose to turn their backs on god and it says over and over and over again in 1st and 2nd Kings in 1 and 1st and 2nd Chronicles that these particular kings came into power and they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom. Now, in the southern kingdom, there were several kings. Many of them did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, but there were occasional bright spots. There were a few outliers in the kingdom of Judah that did what was right in the eyes of God. They listened to the voice of the prophets, and they initiated amazing reformation and change. And again, all of that is outlined on that sheet. I would encourage you to pick that up. So, what do we know then about the theme? If that's the resolution to the dramatic plot, there is a divided kingdom... What's the theme that comes out of this? Well, I think when you walk through this time of Israel's history, the time of the divided kingdom, the theme that falls out of this is what we've already stated. I can learn from mistakes. I can learn from mistakes. Let me ask you this. What mistake? What failure is right in front of you that is beating you up and mocking you and shaming you and keeping you hiding in the shadows? What mistake is right there that's really bothering you and really pestering you? One of the great takeaways from the times of the kings is that they never really learned from their mistakes and they had every opportunity to do that. But what we see in king after king is they made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice and this impacted everybody around them. So what mistake is sitting there right in front of you that you have an opportunity right now today to make a change of direction? What is that for you? Well, how do you apply all of this to our lives? What's what's my story? What's the application to this? Because it's a lot of information about different kings and the divided kingdoms. How do we actually use this in our lives today? Well, I want to apply this by sharing two different questions with you. And I think these are questions that we all need to wrestle with. So here are the two questions that are going to help us apply this. And that is, where are you going, and who is guiding you? Where are you going, and who is guiding you? Where are you going, and who is guiding you? I think at some point in Solomon and Rehoboam and Jeroboam's reign, and the kings that followed, they kind of stopped asking and answering this question. Where are you going? And who is guiding you? I want you to wrestle with that right now because how you answer those questions will determine your path. Again, Solomon, Rehoboam, Jeroboam, and all the kings that followed, they kind of stopped asking and answering these questions but they ended up going somewhere, and it brings up this point that even if you choose not to ask and answer these questions, you will arrive at some kind of destination. So I think the question becomes, where do you want to go, and who can help you get there? Students in the room, middle school students, high school students, where are you going And who is guiding you? See, I don't think it's too soon to think through this. Where are you going? And who is guiding you? Young adults and singles. Where are you going? And who is guiding you? Parents. Moms, dads, husbands, wives. Where are you going? And who is guiding you? Grandparents. Retirees, where are you going and who is guiding you? Think about this for a moment. The story has been filled with extraordinary leaders and individuals like Abraham and Isaac and Moses and Joshua and Ruth and David. And they were leaders in their families. They were leaders in their nation. And what happens in this portion of the story, more than anything else, is a directional error. Solomon and Rehoboam and Jeroboam and many of the kings that followed did not learn from their mistakes. They made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice, and it impacted their families. It impacted the people around them in a pretty significant way. It's crazy. I want you to consider this. Within five years, just five years, of Solomon's death, remember, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, who ever walked the earth outside of Jesus himself, and Solomon ushered in the golden era of Jewish history. He was really an incredible leader. Just five years after Solomon's death, when Israel is at its greatest strength, Israel, or the southern kingdom, the city of Jerusalem, is actually invaded by Egypt. And they move from prosperity and peace to a time of things just being an absolute mess. Just five years. Five years. An expanding, exploding kingdom. A dynamic economy, everybody is coming to see and to learn from Solomon. Within five years of his death, the ripple effects of their poor choices were so intense that another nation actually came in and invaded the prized city of Jerusalem and pillaged it and everything was just an absolute disaster. So consider the impact of your choices In your school, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your family. Consider the ripple effect of your choices and think in terms of generations. What do you want your grandchildren to say? What will they say? See, the ripple effect of our choices and how we respond to our mistakes and where are we going and who is guiding us continues to impact a long time after we're gone. And so where are you going, and who is guiding you? And I want to encourage you this way. If you've been flying recklessly, if you've been playing with fire, way out on the edge, and you know it, and you're getting comfortable there, I want to encourage you to stop and to think, where am I going And who is guiding me? Because I'm going to get somewhere. I'm going to land there. And how I get there will have a ripple effect on everyone around me. So two thoughts for today. Number one, ask and answer the two key questions. I really want you to think about this today. Wherever you are in your family, in your career, in your marriage, as a student, whether you're young or whether you're old or somewhere in between, I want everybody to ask and answer the two key questions. Where are you going? And does your going include a God component? Or is it just kind of selfish stuff and selfish ambitions? See, I think where we're going should include some type of God component where we're seeking to honor Him and put a smile on His face. Where are you going and who is guiding you? Who's guiding you? Do you have clowns in your life? Clowns are creepy. They are. You want God and high character people surrounding you. And by the way, that's what makes being a part of a faith community so dynamic and valuable and necessary for us. Because it's in a place like this that we get the chance to rub shoulders and to touch and to have spe- uh, people speak into our lives who are godly and have high character. Not perfect people, just people who are asking the question, Where am I going? and who is guiding me there? And they have great information to share with us. That's why this is so important and so valuable for us. So today, I want you to ask and answer these two questions Where are you going? Where are you going? And who is guiding you? Who is it? And then secondly, the choices you make today will have lasting impact. Whatever your age is, the choices that you're making today will have lasting impact. So learn from mistakes. That's the upper story. This is the big idea of what God wants us to get our mind around today. Learn from mistakes. Embrace uncertainty and keep eyes locked on a God who never leaves. So here's my prayer. And I want to just read this to you. It's my prayer. So my prayer is that in 2016, we learn from mistakes so that there are less crash sites relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and more celebrations of freedom from fear, rescue from insecurity, and a simultaneous arrival for all of us and those we lead at the feet of Jesus. Learn, learn, learn from mistakes. And we do that by asking, where am I going and who's guiding me? Father, we come to you and we're really grateful for The lessons we learn from ancient kings. God, sometimes this stuff can be a little boring or we wonder what's the point in all of these different lists of the different kings and what they did and what they didn't do. But yet, God, I think all of that is there for a reason and it's to help us know that I can learn from mistakes. God, I need this reminder today. And I think there are several people in the room who are probably feeling the same way. And whether that's a mistake in the past that is beating us up and keeping us in the shadows, or whether that's a mistake that we're walking through and dealing with right now, or God, whether that's a mistake that we may encounter tomorrow, God, would you help us to take the lessons from first and second kings and first and second chronicles and the prophets who got next to these kings and challenge them with your words and your thoughts, to help us drive us into these questions. Where are we going? And who is guiding us? God, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to wrestle with that today. God, would you give us a clear vision of what you want for us, where you want us to go? And then God, help us to find high character, godly individuals who we can put next to us who can encourage and keep us accountable, whether it's at school or whether it's in our workplace, whether it's in our marriages or in our other relationships. God, whatever this looks like, help us to surround ourselves with those individuals who can help us get to where you want to take us. So God, today, may you just burn into our minds that we can learn from mistakes. God, the choices we make will have ripple effects for generations. Help us to get comfortable with that and to ask an answer, where am I going and who's guiding me? God, we ask for your strength and your help to do this now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.